All right, I gotta know. Yes, I'm about to activate it. No, 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 not that. What the hell does Cree mean? Well, actually, it means a lot of things. Um, loosely translated, it means uh, attention, listen up, concentrate. You who? Yes, in a manner of speaking. Huh. Okay. Here goes. Tech Mate, my name is Andrew, and we are watching season six episode Prometheus, written by Joseph Malozzi and Paul Mully, and directed by Peter West. Now, Peter West has done a few other of these um, secret, sneaky, earthbound, gold sabotage Adrian Conrad plots. Um, he, I think he's directed this whole through line. I wonder if that was deliberate. I wonder how they actually decided who directs this and that and who's going to be assigned here and there. Because Peter West has a day job as the director of photography on like half of the shows. Anyway, uh, Joseph Malozzi Pomali, this episode, no humor, it must be said. This is a very procedural action-adventure episode and the, um, the character bits such as they are in this one, really, truly belong only to Jack O'Neill with the, uh, Major Davis! <laughs> what the hell happened here? And then the lady comes to interrupt. What? <laughs> I mean, apart from that, there's very little jokes or humor or character or anything. It's just like... Action. So previously we've got five points because it shows the whole backstory with Conrad and Mayborn, our favorite weasel, unfortunately not in this episode. But he is in the flashback, um, so we get the points. Um, Samantha Carter, again, outside of working hours. We love seeing her life outside of this, don't we? <laughs> Um, she used to drive, a, ride a motorcycle, then she was riding like a classic hot rod car, and now she's, she's driving some suburban Volvo, <laughs> and she presses the little, uh, car alarm button on her remote, poik poik, but her windows are already open. <laughs> Very secure car there. Um... Anyway, apparently someone knows something about the Stargate program, or the, the X303 program. Um, there's some kind of breach, and things are leaking, and this is kind of part of the whole Season 6 arc. Well, it's been thrown in there across the seasons, really, but in Season 6 it's going to come out a little bit about the Stargate program. Um, there's an episode coming up called Disclosure, where certain things are disclosed to certain parties. And it's actually one of my favorite episodes. And it's a clip show. It's quite remarkable how it's, it's still like one of my favorites. Um, and um, yeah, so, so they're really, like I was saying, just sowing the seeds throughout here, a little bit dropping a few handfuls over here or over there about how this can't stay secret forever. And we gotta eventually make it a bigger human earth-wide thing. And by season 10, of course, those of you who have watched ahead know where things go. <laughs> With that, 
and the uh, international space efforts that go into the defense of Earth. Um, and for those of you watching for the first time through Stargate SG-1, what's your life like? How do you even? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, suffice it to say, um, by season 10, uh, more and more international partners get drawn into the, uh, the Stargate Defending Earth Enterprise. And we'll leave it at that. This X-303 Prometheus is... Oh, so good. It's so awesome. I freaking love that Earth has started building these things! I lost my mind over the X-302, you know, the little fighter plane. <laughs> now we've got our own freaking Starship Enterprise, and even though I don't understand Star Trek references, I still get that, <laughs> how great it is. Anyway... Five points because Major Davis is in the in the episode and he busts into her limo and tries to intimidate her. Why did they pick him? He is, I mean, I, it pains me to say this. He is a weak-chinned man. <laughs> no man with a weak chin can possibly be intimidating. He is not the right guy to be sent on an intimidation mission. <laughs> oh. So mean. Um, one point for the front gate stock footage guys, of course, and we got to call the president to get this story crushed. And uh, <laughs> the head of the TV network, Inside Access, which alone sounds like a tabloid. <laughs> Let alone, we're gonna force her to publish. You know, she'll only be able to publish this in tabloids. Sounds like they already work for a tabloid, Inside Access. But anyway. Um, the president squashes the story, <laughs> the guy's like, if you publish it, it will go to the foreign journalists, you could be charged with treason. <laughs> yeah, like a treason's such a big deal anymore, you know, China, if Russia, if you're listening, <laughs> Ukraine, I want you to do me a favor, for fuck's sake, yay America. Treason in America. It's the 21st century. Um, what have we got? One point for the front gate stock footage guys again. And um, I love this how they cut back to the briefing room and they say, like, she's gonna spread the story anyway. And Jonas Quinn is flabbergasted. His reactions are big. <laughs> like, oh, that's outrageous. How could she think of doing that? Like, Dude, you got to this planet, like, four weeks ago. <laughs> how do you know what human society is like? What, how do you know what journalism is? <laughs> who, who told you all about how the National Security Act works? <laughs> Why are you so reactive about this? Anyway, the decision is made to show them the Red Hut, take them on a tour. The Red Hut that uh, guards all the secrets. Supposedly the most secure facility on the face of the Earth. It's just one door and an elevator shaft with another door at the bottom. <laughs> and there's no guards around. There's just, like, one person in camo gear just sort of wandering around this dirt yard at the top who may or may not check your pass as you go on into the elevator. <laughs> this is just quite funny to, that they just specifically say that. Uh, I've just watched 
I've, I've actually, I've been sick off work, and while I've been home, like, doing the housework and whatever, I've just been binge-watching all the Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> and, like, uh, especially that one, is it Rogue Nation? Mission Impossible 5? Where, um... <laughs> Benji has to, has to try and sneak into this computer vault in the desert, and... First of all, they need the right thumbprint and the right retinal scan, and then as they walk down the hallway, the computer analyzes his gait and how he walks, and in the meantime, Ethan has to swim underwater into the computer core and upload a new profile so that he can get through, otherwise he's going to be tasered by these automatic taser things. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a contrast here on the uh, security measures for Stargate SG. Anyway, I gave it 10 wildcard points because we see it at long last. The X-303, the giant motherfucking spaceship that Earth built with a little help from his friends. Fuck yes. I love it. Love it forever. I've tried to build one in Kerbal Space Program. It's a little tricky. <laughs> um, anyway. Everything's going well with this insanely bad idea, but apparently sabotage is afoot, and it turns into, very quickly turns into, Samantha Carter, die hard. <laughs> She's even crawling through the ventilation ducts and stuff. <laughs> uh, really, really hitting that one. Um... Simmons and Conrad have to be brought in as part of the bribery, the blackmail, what have you. Carter is doing some sneaking with the equipment and the radios and the, the door and the, the cutting. And with all these close-ups and the, with the right lighting and stuff, you just really notice that every day that Samantha Carter goes to work, she does her lashes. They look great. <laughs> She has really big eyelashes going on here. <laughs> I don't really notice it on the guys. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when you look at a cartoon, like Lego heads, if it's a man, it's just normal. But if it's a woman, they've got eyelashes, you know, in a cartoon. Uh, cute animals. If it's a man, it's just a normal animal. If it's male. If it's female, it's got lashes. <laughs> So ridiculous. Um, there's some talk about how this takes place in the state of Nevada. Um, so this is, apparently, according to the wiki page, this is Area 37, which they just completely invented and pulled out of their butt. It's like an Area 51 offshoot. Anyway, Tilk arrives on the scene. Um, for a moment I was worried he wasn't going to be in the episode. <laughs> which would be fine, like there's no reason. He, he contributes almost nothing. Um, but anyway, Tilk turns up, so it's ten points for the, uh, Tilk trying to pass himself off as human, because he's wearing the hat, and he's out in public with normal, um, human people. One point when the older TV producer man gets shot and killed, he is a red shirt to show that Jonas is in mortal danger. One point for a push and swell when Adrian Conrad makes his grand entrance. You cannot, but I can. Boom. Um, and now the X-302 is gone. 
Sorry, the X303 is gone, and they're trying to use, what, X302s? No, no, no! Gliders! It's the return of the death gliders that they flew out from the bottom of the ocean in the crashed Anubis-slash-Thor-hacked Hatak mothership and put away in storage somewhere. <laughs> it's wonderful. At the time of that episode, from the episode Descent, one of my favorites, I did say, where the hell do these gliders go? I never hear, I can't believe we never hear about them again. But I was mistaken. Here is where indeed they went. This is where we hear about them again. They are just sitting in a garage. It's too dangerous to use them on a long-term mission, of course, because um, they've got that built-in Apophis fail-safe thing, uh, where it just sends you out into outer space, like in the episode Tangent. But uh, for a short mission, like going straight Excuse me. There's <laughs> my breakfast coming back to visit us. Um, on a short mission, like a trip up to orbit to dock with the spaceship, um, they're perfectly serviceable, and that is great. So, one point for a push and swell on Major Davis after um, um, he is informed the hyperdrive has been activated. He's like, well, I did everything I could, and I was a total failure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big, dramatic push-and-swell moment. Um, and I gave it five points again here near the end, because after all the fighting is said and done, um, it's a classic shoot-somebody-out-an-airlock. <laughs> and that's a reference. Five points worth of reference to, I don't know, the James Bond movie Moonraker, amongst countless other space evil villain deaths that just get shot out the air. It's... it's it's right there. You have to do it. <laughs> it's obligatory. <laughs> and then, of course, back on the bridge, they got a little problem that Prometheus is um, stuck somewhere they didn't know not where. And, of course, while they're figuring this out, Jack O'Neill is back in the command chair. <laughs> you know, I remember in the episode Descent where you, like, they board the gold mothership and they really just make themselves he really just settles his butt into the throne command throne chair and just like starts wriggling and gets himself really set up he's <laughs> like I could get used to this <laughs> my god it's Anubis um, and then five points because at the end of the episode who should come to save our butts. It's Thor, our favorite, beloved, recurring guest star. <laughs> Another thing that happened at the end of the episode, Descent, is that they escaped with Thor downloaded onto a little chip, a little removable drive. <laughs> Bing boom. Please remove disc Thor. Um, and apparently the Asgard were able to deal with that. Off screen, of course. Um, and upload him into a new Asgard <laughs> robo-body. <laughs> the new model, apparently. <laughs> okay, there's one joke right at the end where they get a little bit of levity and silliness into this episode. <laughs> um, and of course, not only does Thor show up, but it's, it's Michael Shanks showing up because Michael Shanks is the voice of Thor, and that's wonderful just to have his voice still be part of it all. And my last note says, great music just at the end. Yeah, like right at the end of the episode there, there's a cool like, one minute of great 
action, suspenseful music. And, um, of course, the end there is a big tease, you know, when the Asgard show up and say, we have come to ask for your help. Um, and I've said many times before on the podcast that uh, this happens at the beginning of episodes. Someone shows up and they say one of two things. I have come to warn you, or I have come to ask for help. <laughs> and that's the opening tease of any number of episodes, you know. Um, and here they've put the opening tease of the next episode at the at the ending tease of this episode. <laughs> it's the, the formula still holds, really. Um, no one can come and visit the Towery without saying one of those two things. It's the only two things people have to say when they're visiting the Towery, no matter where they're visiting them. <laughs> Um, that amuses me. This whole thing amused me. This was such a lovely change from the previous episode, uh, Cure, where I was very bored and I just was looking for reasons to not be watching it. <laughs> I kept wandering off to do other stuff. This one is some Stargate I can sink my teeth into. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, this is the good stuff. Yes. Total of 45 points on this episode, and it's a two-parter, obviously, or uh, kind of runs into the next one, where the Asgard, once again, are having trouble with some little replicators. Do you guys got a bug problem? <laughs> they need someone primitive. How about that Jack O'Neill guy? <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Please hit me up on the Twitter. Send me your comments, corrections, notes, appreciations, criticisms. Um, tear me to shreds. Do whatever. Nice to hear from you. Um, and see you next time. At Kriyuhu on Twitter.